This episode is all about mastering communication. Welcome to Declassified College, a podcast where we give you all the cheat codes needed to pass this level in your life. Each week, we share three short episodes filled with clips of our interviews with students from across the United States and occasionally an interview with an industry expert to answer all of your questions about attending university. College can be what sets you up for a prosperous career, or it can be the four years that when you look back on it, you wish that you did it different. We're here to make sure that you have all the information so that by the time you walk across that stage, you're ready for the so-called real world that the boomers love to talk about. My name is Justin Wynn, and it's about time we declassified college. All right, so our first episode was all about the first touch process of how to reach out to these employers, who to find and how to find them, and the real tactic side of that, as well as how to really build out that VVP so that you have something to showcase what you can actually do for a company. Now, this episode, what I wanted to dive into was more from the communication standpoint, because I know a lot of students have a tough time with once they actually get onto a phone call with someone. So the majority of this episode really goes over the tactics and the formula that Austin loves to do whenever he's talking with someone or what he loves to hear whenever a student gets on a phone call with him. So without further ado, let's jump into it. So this is where a lot of people make the big mistake and they use what I call a me mindset. And that's essentially reaching out and saying, you know, hey, Justin, you work at Google and I want to work at Google. So can you review my resume, pass my resume along, introduce me to somebody, give me some advice on how to get in there. And that is not going to get a high response rate because you're emailing somebody out of the blue. You're a total stranger and you're making a big ass that's totally self-centered, right? And people aren't necessarily receptive to that. So what we need to do is flip that on its head. If you think about any great relationship that you have, that's, you know, let's exclude family from that, but friends, or if you were at an internship and you worked with somebody you really liked, you know, typically those people, they add value to your life in some way. They recognize you for stuff. They bring you joy. They help you with things. And they don't ask for things in return. You know, it's unconditional support in most cases. And so the same thing goes professionally. You know, we're also self-interested. We're, we're much happier to kind of talk about ourselves and, and in, invest in things that, you know, benefit us versus benefiting a total stranger who we've never met before. So what I try to do is when we're researching those contacts, I try to find an angle that I can use to reach out, reach about the other person. So for example, you know, you could be looking for a UCF alumni or a Wake Forest alumni where I went. The alumni connection is, is always a strong one. And that's not necessarily making it about the other person, but that is a connection that, that tends to work well, especially for students. That .edu email address is, is kind of magic and the magic goes away when you graduate. So use it while you can. But then on top of that, trying to find things like maybe something interesting in their background. For example, if, you, if, they, if they made a jump from one industry to another, if they made a career pivot, or if they're working on a really cool project, that's something great to mention. Or if you can find where they're professionally active online, you know, a lot of people have personal blogs or they're creating a brand on LinkedIn or on Twitter, or they're answering questions on Quora or they're writing posts on Medium. If you can find any of those things and, and kind of 
leverage that to get in the door, that's a great option as well. So to give you a couple of examples, you know, if you were sending a cold email to me, maybe you look in my background and you see that I made the transition from healthcare into technology at, at Microsoft. And so maybe you send me an email and instead of saying, hey, Austin, I, I see that you work at Microsoft and I'd like to work there too. Like, here's my resume. Can you let me know what you think? Maybe you send me an email that says, hey, Austin, I was looking through LinkedIn for people who, who got into tech at great companies from a non-traditional background. You know, your, your experience going from healthcare to Microsoft really stood out to me. I'd love to learn a little bit more about that journey, some of the obstacles you face. You know, if you have a few minutes, I'd be really grateful. And so now we've basically made the same ask, but we flipped it to be about me. And so I'm going to be much more receptive to that rather than you just blasting your resume at me. Another recent example, I was coaching somebody, she was looking for a job at, at Zendesk, which offers, they offer kind of this live chat support suite for, for companies. And we were looking through all these people who had a similar title to what she was looking for. And we were combing through their LinkedIn profiles. And we found one guy who actually had a personal blog. So we looked through his personal blog and he had a couple of posts in, in, on the importance of empathy in the customer success process. And we were like, okay, that's cool. So we read through some of the posts and then we said, okay, why don't we reach out to this guy and say, hey, we saw that you wrote these posts on empathy as part of the process. And I know they're a couple of years old, but I think now more than ever with this pandemic going on, companies that are leading with empathy seem to be doing the best. And that's really you know, what we should ground ourselves in. Have you thought about updating it? Have you thought about sharing it? And that right there is, is an automatic home run because that person's going to reply. We're going to start a conversation. We're going to build a relationship and then we can make an ask. So the best way to think about this is, you know, let's say a referral into a job is it, you have this bank account. It's a social capital bank account and a referral into a job costs you 20 bucks. If you just try to ask for that referral upfront with $0 in the bank, you're going to overdraw, right? It's not going to work. But if you take the time to reach out and build a relationship with somebody and you make small investments, you know, one, two dollars at a time, eventually you get to 20 and then you can make that ask. You can make that withdrawal and you can do it with confidence knowing that the person is probably going to go to bat for you. So that's sort of the approach that we take here. And if you want, we can talk about, you know, how to progress that relationship, how to build it. But also, you know, something to keep in mind is that when you email somebody and you, you expect, you know, as a job seeker, I think what we hope is we email someone and we get the referral on the email, right? We're like, great, I don't have to do any more work. But if you really think about it in terms of results, you know, who's going to be more likely to really go to bat for you? Somebody who you emailed once and is kind of willing to shoot off your resume to whoever, or somebody that you've spoken to a number of times and really built a strong relationship. You know, they're both willing to refer you in, but one person is going to have a lot more info on you and is actually going to have that relationship to kind of lean on when, when they're pitching you. And that's just so huge when it comes to actually getting the end result that we want, which is the job offer. Yeah. And I feel like that, that's amazing advice right there. So I know that this question is definitely going to pop up because I've had students ask me this same exact question of, look, Austin, all that sounds great and dandy. I'm willing to put in the time and the work to do the research, yada, yada, yada. But you mentioned phone call and I get scared about phone call. <laughs> How do I get better at being able to speak with someone, maybe not necessarily in person, but over the phone, even if, if I'm an introvert on the, on the inside? Sure. And this is always an interesting one for me because I think the typical answer that you see from a lot of people out there is preparation. And that's definitely true. But I would also say that this is a bit of a, a necessary evil. So for me, I'm an introvert at heart. I 
am totally fine being sheltered in place in my apartment and having to stay six feet from people right now. <laughs> and when I do, when I go give a talk or when I go do an event and I'm, I'm speaking, or even when I go to work, I need some time at home by myself to just decompress. Um, I'm usually like sitting on the couch playing video games and my wife is making fun of me, but I need some time to recharge my batteries. I essentially had to teach myself how to be an extrovert and turn it on when I needed to. That's not for everybody. I'm not saying that you have to become an extrovert, but what you do have to become is sort of comfortable extending outside of your comfort zone a little bit if you want to get the, these results. And so it's sort of, it, it, I'm trying to think of an analogy, but you know, if you're, if you're worried about you know, putting yourself out there and having these conversations, you know, your alternative is, is applying online and tweaking your resume and tweaking your cover letter. But you know, you can try that and you can see how it turns out. Um, I can also tell you how it turns out. It's, it's really, really hard. Or you can stare down this thing that you're kind of scared of and say, okay, you know, let me try to manage this. Let me try to just step outside of my comfort zone and see what happens. And so preparation definitely helps here. What I would do is I would basically sit down and I would do a ton of research on the person I was having a call with. Again, I would research their company. Um, I would research them and I would try to find angles that I could use to steer the conversation a little bit. But what I found was the best conversations that I had were the ones where the other person was doing most of the talking. And the way that I got them to do that was by asking really good questions. So what I would do ahead of time was I would prepare some questions, but I would try to make them, um, it, it sounds corny to say as good as possible, but essentially if you can come up with questions that show that you've done your research and are on a bit of a deeper level, you're going to earn some credibility early on. And you're also going to entice the other person to speak for a longer period of time. And so instead of showing up and saying, Hey Austin, what does a partner manager at Microsoft do on a daily basis? Instead, if you show up and you say, Hey Austin, I was listening to a keynote that Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella was giving, and he specifically mentioned that in the advertising space, with Bing, your search engine, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of misinformation out there on other platforms, on Facebook, on Google, on you know, Twitter, where these bots and you know these ad campaigns are are running and they're kind of trolling people and, and sharing disingenuous information. I saw that Microsoft is making a push to verify the news that they share on their search engines. You know, how do you think that's going to impact the landscape? And that's actually something that's happening right now. And I know that that sounds like, how could I ever come up with that question? But you could, if you do a little bit of, of research on, you know, Microsoft advertising and kind of where we're going, it's, it's one of the first things that comes up. But now if I'm asking that question, or if I'm receiving that question as somebody who works at Microsoft, I'm going to say, wow, Justin really did their research. Like how the heck did they know to talk about this? And that's something that I, that's a softball for me that I can spend a lot of time talking about, right? Because that's what I do every day. And so you're going to earn credibility right off the bat, but you're also going to tap into something. Because if you ask me what I do on a daily basis, I honestly have no idea what to tell you because <laughs> I do so many things that it's hard. And you're going to get some fluffy, like, honestly, like bullshit answer. Like, well, I show up and I check some emails and I do some reporting and I get some lunch and some coffee. And like, it's not going to be super helpful. Whereas if you ask those very pointed questions, that's really where you're going to get a lot of information. The other thing that you can do ahead of time that I found to be really helpful in terms of continuing the conversation, what happens a lot is people get somebody on the phone and they're like, man, Justin's finally going to talk to me. And then they get on the phone, they speak to you, they hang up, they're all happy. And then they're like, what do I do next? 
And so you have to create that opportunity to follow up. You have to open the window for that next conversation. So something that I like to do is use what I call the advice triangle. So that is at some point in the conversation, you ask the person for a piece of advice. And it works best if you ask for, um, what do you, do you know Madeline Mann at all? Have you seen yes. her? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen yeah. her stuff. Yep. So Madeline's a good friend of mine. Um, and for everybody listening, she's another career coach. Um, and she's fantastic. She has a great YouTube channel called self-made millennial that you should definitely check out. But she calls this type of advice, she calls it this or that advice. So we're essentially showing up and we're asking somebody, Hey, should I do this or should I do that? And if you do your research ahead of time, you know, maybe you want to get into a marketing role and you say, Hey, should I take this course on marketing or should I get this certification? And what that does is it makes, it's a question that is super easy for the other person to answer. They say, oh, you should do this, no brainer. Or yeah, you should definitely do that first. That's going to be way more effective. And then what you do is you, you go take action on that piece of advice. You go take that course, you go read that book, you go start that project. And then you report back to them and you say, hey, Justin, thank you so much for the advice to take this course. You know, I went and took it. I really specifically liked, you know, this one piece of it and this other piece of it. What should I do next? You know, I'm, I'm debating between this book or this other course. And then you rinse and repeat that. So every time they give you advice, you take action on it, you report back and you ask for more advice. And then you get in this cycle. And so that's going to do a couple of things. One, it opens the door for a continued follow-up. But two, it positions you as somebody who listened to them and recognized that their advice was valuable because you took action on it. Um, but it also shows that you're the type of person who's not afraid to roll up their sleeves and actually go do this stuff. And that's very, very rare. Typically, when people give advice, you know, the person says, thanks, and then you never hear from them again. And so you're really going to differentiate yourself by doing that. But it also kind of puts you in this layer by layer relationship building mode. And every time you do that, you're going to get more investment from the other side. And the person's going to be more willing to open up because they see you coming back. So that's one of the most effective things that you can do. And then finally, the last thing I'll say is uh, when you're starting the conversation, um, th it really sets the tone. What I found, whether I'm giving a talk, whether I'm having a conversation, the first few lines, the opening really sets the tone for everything else. So what I like to do is start with a kind of a two-parter. One, I'll sort of pair it back why I reached out to them. And then two, I'll ask them to take me back and tell me their story from a point in time that happened a while ago. So rather than saying, you know, tell me about Microsoft, which is happening right now, I would say something like, hey, Austin, thanks so much for taking the time again. You know, the reason I reached out, like I mentioned in my email, was that I saw that you made this impressive transition from healthcare to Microsoft. So that is me parroting back what I sent in the email. And then two, you know, can you take me back to that decision to pivot out of healthcare? You know, why did you make the decision to leave healthcare and why did you make the decision to go into tech? So this is really big because it forces me to go back now six years or so to when I made that decision. And it forces me to walk you through my journey. Whereas if I just say, tell me about working at Microsoft or tell me about how you got to Microsoft, I'm not going to go all the way back and start from there. I'm probably going to say, well, you know, at my last company, I did blah, blah, blah. And here's how I ended up here. So we're going to get a lot more information, but we're also kind of subconsciously tapping into this psychological concept that we are inherently self-interested. So a couple of researchers at Harvard did a study and they basically took a group of people and they asked them questions from two buckets. One bucket was answering questions about themselves and the other bucket was answering questions about other people, other things. And then they paid people based on what they chose to answer. And the study found that the, the people were willing to forego earnings. They were willing to forego 17% of their earnings if they were able to answer questions about themselves. And then on top of that, that number actually went up if they knew somebody else, sort of like yourself on the phone, was listening. It went up to 25%. 
Really? So they said, this is really interesting. Let's shove these people in a brain scanner and do the same thing. So they did that and they found that when we talk about ourselves, when we're answering questions about ourselves, the pleasure centers in our brain light up, same pleasure centers that light up when we're eating an amazing meal, when we're having sex or when we're on drugs. So pretty powerful. And that's something that we're tapping into here. And obviously, you know, telling your story isn't the same thing as like having sex, but <laughs> in our brain, what it does is when we, when we start telling our story and we start opening up a little bit, we become more receptive and we sort of warm this person up. So that the, the questions that we then ask them in the back half of, of our conversation, they're going to be more willing to share. They're going to be more open. So I guess to distill that down, one, come up with a strong start that parrots back what you email them about and has them tell a story from an earlier period of time. The second is prepare questions that you can ask them that uh, show that you've done your research that are on a deeper level and get them talking about themselves. And then finally, make sure that you create an opportunity for that advice triangle, asking for a piece of this or that advice before you get out of the conversation. And if you do that, you should be in really, really good shape. Man, that is, that is absolute fire advice for, <laughs> for everyone that's listening. If I could add one thing when it comes to, I 100% agree with building up that momentum at the beginning of the conversation. I think the one question that really stumbles a lot of students is, tell me a little bit about yourself, right? If you can master that question and you can mm -hmm. know it off the top of your head, you're setting up the conversation for a really good one. Because I don't know how many phone calls that I've jumped on with students and I just ask them that question of like, okay, like tell me a little bit about like what you're about or whatever it is. And then they stumble, they mumble, and then the, the momentum just kind of dies. Yeah. If you can continue that momentum off of that first question to then ask your next question um, that you just talked about, I think that's a grand slam when it comes to starting off that conversation. 100%, man. That's a great ad. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. So we're moving towards the end of the interview and I've got one last question for you, but before I ask that, where can people find you? Where can they learn more about everything that you're doing? Yeah, for sure. So the two major places, one is, is my website. It's cultivatedculture.com. We have a ton of free tools there. If you go to the homepage, uh, you go to the link that I just mentioned, you kind of scroll down one section. There's a bunch of free tools. So one, I put together a 9,000 plus word guide on job searching during COVID-19, during the outbreak. It breaks down 15 plus industries. It gives you specific companies that are hiring. It has job search advice from 20 plus recruiters, career experts, strategists. It has a ton of other resources in there as well. I have a free resume builder that has preloaded ATS friendly templates. So you can just draft up a quick resume, 100% free, no credit card, no limits, no anything. Um, and then there's a tool in there, you know, we talk about finding all these people and reaching out to them. I always recommend doing it over email instead of LinkedIn. And so I made a tool to help people find email addresses. It's called MailScoop. So if you go to mailscoop.io, or you can find it in that free tool section, it'll take you right there. Super easy. The other place is LinkedIn. You know, that's where we connected Justin and, and I'm pretty active on there. I post pretty much every day. So feel free to connect with me. If you do send a personal note with it so I can pick you out of the crowd. But um, yeah, those are the two main spots. Amazing. All right. So final question is I saw on your, on your profile that you created this article about interviewing for 50 plus companies. If you could summarize that in one minute, what did you learn from all of those interviews? Yeah. So if you want to get a job at the world's best companies, the world's most sought after companies, you need to do exactly what we talked about earlier. You need to get a referral. Even if they are not you know, in your network right now, you can go build a relationship with them add value to them and bring them into your network. But you need to get a referral to pretty much be considered at one of those companies. And then once you have the referral, the value validation project is what's going to bring it home. We didn't talk a lot about the interview side of things. Interview preparation is absolutely key as well. But 
what's going to get you in the door. And just by, you know, the, the law of numbers, if you find a way to consistently give yourself interviews and you can pick and choose those companies through building relationships, landing referrals in the BVP, you're eventually going to get an offer at a really, really awesome place. You won't have to rely on those online apps. You won't basically be like hitchhiking your way through your job search. So I would say the best things that you can invest in right now are sending emails to alumni, to people you want to connect with, use that .edu email address, and then just start creating projects for companies for fun. Just start researching the companies that you're interested in, come up with some ideas for them, try to put them in a, in a PowerPoint or in a deck, see, see if you can get some feedback. And if you start doing that now, you're going to put yourself in a, at a massive advantage when, whenever you need to start applying for jobs, whether you're a senior, junior, sophomore, freshman, it's never too early to start. Another day, another cheat code, and you're on your way to defeating the level that we like to call college. If you've liked any of the cheat codes that we've given out, please hit that subscribe button and give us a review on iTunes. Each review helps us grow and make sure that more people learn these tips. We love to hear from you all, so make sure you check out our website, www.getchillgrindup.com, and follow us on all social media platforms at getchillgrindup. That's G-E-T-C-H-O-G-R-I-N-D-U-P. So until next time, peace.